0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bitter and Jaded. I'm your host, Joshua Scott, and today I have with me a woman who is far from plain and has a great altitude, my friend Stevie. <laughs> Hi, Stevie. How are you?
1: I'm great, Josh. How are you? <laughs> I'm
0: good. I'm good. how just you feel about that? Told you it was good. Told you it was going to be good.
1: Oh, yeah. That was uh, epic right there. <laughs> um, can I get a copy of that to use on all my interests? Yeah. Please? Oh, please, please. Okay. Um,
0: so uh, tell people a little bit about yourself. Who is Stevie?
1: All right, well, Stevie's a very complex person. (laughs) Oh my goodness, where to start? All right, so a little bit about me. Um, I'm not originally from Savannah, Georgia. I have moved all over the place, racked up a couple miles across this country, I gotta Mm -hmm. tell you. But I ended up here for a job after college. So I came here to work as an aerospace engineer, which is not something a lot of people say.
0: Yeah, it's a... uh... It's a lot of words, you know? <laughs> airspace engineer is a lot more than when I say I work in retail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what made you want to get to become an airspace engineer? Oh,
1: so way back when, when I was a young, sprightly girl, you know, running around in the backyard. feels Not just kidding. Um, so... My parents actually asked me that question once when I was in college, and I kind of had to think about it for a second, and I kind of realized it was destined from the start. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, growing up, Northeast Ohio, uh, there's actually, we had quite a few air shows, and one was pretty much in our backyard. (laughs) So, once a year, my dad dad and my grandfather would get all excited, and they, you know, dress up as little kids. I was probably, like, three years old. I was still sitting in a wagon and a stroller and all that kind of stuff. Like, there's pictures of this, by the way. Yeah. And uh, they drag us to the air shows, and then we go to the ones in like Dayton, Ohio, where there's like the big Wright Pat Air Force Base. And Mm -hmm. we go to ones up in Cleveland, and like I'm probably five years old running around in the back of like a 747 and stuff like that. And it's like, really, there's no question of why I ended up in aviation. Um, It just one day it kind of clicked, but the engineering kind of came a little later on. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to do something with planes and then one day you know I kind of figured I'm a math geek I've always been a math geek I could probably do my timetables before I could recite the alphabet (laughs) (laughs) I blame my mother for that (laughs) Uh, so it just kind of it fit one day was like I'm a problem solver I like to tinker with things I I have to be doing stuff with my hands I cannot sit still um and and engineering just kind of seemed like the right fit for that somebody who does a lot of problems somebody who's constantly trying to come up with things tinkering and and I'm a very hands-on person about it too I like to actually go physically see the stuff that i'm building yeah so that's kind of engineering kind of snuck in there somehow otherwise it's like i'm gonna be a pilot <laughs> that, that costs way too much of an education to be a pilot by the way <laughs> that pi- as expensive as a hobby that is it is far better as a hobby than as a career oh yeah <laughs> i have learned that <laughs> <laughs> so what
0: so we don't really have air shows. The closest thing we have around here is like, a, but Blue Angels. I think I'd seen one time and was like, <laughs> "This is dope." But then I was like, also like, I, I was kind of bored because I was like a kid, you know. Planes are cool. But like I don't get to do that. So I was always told like you had to be like super smart. So y'all just go to air shows all the time. What do you do in an air show?
1: So there's a couple different things you can do. There you think of festivals. Like I know Savannah does a lot of art festivals. Um, they'll have music festivals. I remember going to Bacon Fest once downtown. Uh, air shows are very similar to that. And since they have the festival atmosphere, they have, you know, the food trucks and things like that would come in. I remember the biggest thing where I was from was like sausage sandwiches and the fried rice food truck. Like for whatever reason, that's all my brother wanted was fried rice (laughs) from festivals. And my dad wanted a sausage sandwich. And I'm like, let's look at the planes. So, um, so yeah, you go and they do different, there's different planes that fly. So you'll have some of the old school planes, uh, like, uh, you know, the, P-52 Mustangs and you have the acrobatic planes and you know the guys who literally just do it as hobbies they do have some historical planes antique planes you know ones that are painted like the Spirit of St. Louis and um, they'll have fighter jets and they'll do demonstrations with the fighter jets a lot of times you'll either have The Thunderbirds or the Blue Angels, or sometimes you get both. I've been to air shows that have had both, which is pretty cool to see. Um, And then you do get the larger planes. C-130s are very common, uh, especially where I was from, because we had a big C-130 air reserve base there. Um, For anyone who doesn't know what a C-130 is, it's a giant cargo plane. Ah. (laughs) It's actually, is the workhorse of any of the military branches. They pretty much all own C-130s and they are used as major cargo ships in and out of war zones. Any of the uh, overseas military bases, they are used to bring in supplies. There are larger cargo ships. Um, I say ships because it's an airship, finger Ah. quote. Uh, Basically, an airplane is an airship in a sense. Um, So we just call them ships. They do have larger ones, such as a C-17, or they have a C-5, which is absolutely monstrous. If you've ever seen a C-5, the thing is like, I don't know, the best way to put it is like a Flying Empire State Building kind of size. <laughs> the thing is so big, it's just incomprehensible. Um, so you you can see some of those, and you get to walk on them. They'll have helicopters Um, We used to get a lot of Chinooks, which a Chinook is the double rotor helicopter. So the one that has like the two rotors going. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw one of those, I'd seen helicopters before, but the first time I saw one of those, I just remember being like, mommy, mommy, what is that? It's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) And like, we didn't know what it was called, but at the time we started getting a bunch of them flying in and out of the air reserve base by my house, which by the way, the reserve base was literally a mile by the way the crow flies. So literally they would fly right over my house. Um, So seeing a bunch of those, you can walk in them and see how big they are. And when you see these planes fly anywhere that you are, if you see them flying, it doesn't do justice to how big they really are and just how much these planes are capable of carrying. So going to the air shows and actually seeing them, getting to walk inside them, uh, you get to see the seats that soldiers will sit in whenever they're being carried in, in the aircrafts um you get to see kind of the setups they'll show you the load master which is the guy who's in charge of all the cargo stuff inside of like c-130s and the big cargo planes um you get to see the different ways that they'll pack cargo in there and they'll show you all the rollers and the floor and how they chain it down and it's really cool to see you can read about all the stuff in books and articles and all yeah. of that but just getting to actually see it and talk to people who that is their day-to-day job um Especially when you're a little kid, yeah. you know, and everyone's like, "I want to be a doctor. I want to be a firefighter." I'm like, "No, nah, I will do what this dude does." That's so
0: cool. I love that they're like, like, cause you know, I, like I said, I've been the one or two, I think, but you know, I, I love that they're that just imagine little Stevie being like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna!" That's so awesome. That's so awesome. So like, you now work in aviation. What exactly do you do? <laughs>
1: Great question. <laughs> yeah, about that. Um, So basically what I do, I did not know growing up that this was ever an option as a job. And no one ever told me in college that this was an option as a job. Like, it still blows my mind. And when I try to explain to people what I do, they still don't quite grasp it. But um, I'll tell people that I am an interior designer. Mm-hmm. And people instantly assume that I'm like... Like homes. Yeah, like what you do for homes, right? An interior designer for homes or, you know, someone who picks out colors and fabrics and (laughs) aesthetics and stuff like that. No, 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 no. I don't deal with any of that. Uh, I am an engineer for the furnishings of an interior of private jets. So what that means is a customer will pick what they want for their layout inside their plane. So they'll pick their seating groupings. They'll pick where they want their storage cabinets, where they want their kitchen area, which by the way, we call it a galley or their bathrooms, which we call a lavatory. So if I say those, if I say lav, it's the potty. If I say a galley, it's the kitchen, very similar to on boats kind of talk. Um, so basically, my job is to create the engineering structure for those furnishings. So what I deal with more than the fabrics or the aesthetics, what I deal with is the um, FA requirements. So once you put these pieces into an aircraft, there's certain regulations that they have to meet to fly, mm-hmm. very similar to your car. You know, when they design, I always compare this to cars, especially when I'm trying to talk to the college yeah. students. Um, in your car, you think about they build the chassis and they build the frame to keep you as safe as possible in terms of a crash. Yeah. Right. OK. In an aircraft, it's very similar. So what we focus on is I have to make this furniture. I have to make it look pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to say my job is Burger King. Mm-hmm. Have it your way. <laughs> Basically, if you can write us a check, I'll make it happen for you. I didn't say anything about making it fly for you, though. <laughs> Sometimes we have to explain that to customers. Uh, so basically, we have to take that into consideration, though. if In case of an aircraft crash, mm-hmm. in case of an accident, we have to make sure that the furnishings that we engineer, on top of looking pretty, mm, pretty. can withstand certain forces during the crash crash loading is usually what we call it so your seats have to withstand something like nine g's or whatever yeah um and same thing with your furniture but the other thing you have to keep into account is during flight the plane itself will actually flex so your plane the fuselage your giant tin can Mm -hmm. as everyone likes to refer to it on the ground is a certain size and believe it or not it's actually not circular most of them are oval shaped But once you get up to altitude and your cabin becomes pressurized, that oval shape extends a little bit. Really? Yes.
0: So it becomes like a circle?
1: A little bit more like an egg. So that oval becomes a little bit more exaggerated, if you will. Um, So your furniture on the ground may look pretty and everything works perfect. Everything's lined up, there's no gaps. Everything looks pristine and then you get up in flight and there's things that are rubbing together and squeaking and, you know, all of a sudden you're seeing all these gaps and there's like light issues, light bleed is what we call it coming in from other cabins. Um Sometimes wiring gets pinched and, and, you know, here's a fun one. I did not think that this was ever going to be a situation, but your plane also does not fly at zero degrees angle of attack, which means it doesn't fly level mm-hmm. through the air. Your plane actually flies at about a three degree angle of attack, which means your nose is pointed about three degrees up from the horizon. Uh-huh. So you're flying at like a slight angle (laughs) Uh which means when you run your faucets the water doesn't drain to the center of the sink Uh it drains to the back of the sink huh so, so then do you have to put the, the so drain so further back? Exactly. You have to keep into account where the drain is located in the sink and how the sink is shaped. So there's weird stuff that I never would have thought would ever come into play when I was in college. They don't teach you these things. Um, this is not stuff that people generally think about until you start getting into aircraft interiors. Yeah, um, And then doing them for private jets is different than doing them for commercial jets. Commercial jet is how many people can we pack in this tin can to make money versus when you're... Designing for people who have money, you know, this is their personal plane, they want luxury. You know, they want basically to feel like they're sitting in their living room at 40,000 feet. Yeah. So it's a little different the quality and the uh, the level of, of care you take into what you're doing. Yeah. So, um, so like what kind of
0: stuff, like, is there like special materials you have to use or like things you can't use? Like, is like, does this weigh too much? Or like, you know, like I have no idea about planes. I've only been in one in my entire life and uh i don't even remember it was some crappy jetliner um but you know it sure as crap wasn't a private jet you know but do they like ask for like i don't even know what fancy materials are like fancy leathers and all this extra oh yeah does that affect weight and
1: oh it totally does i could tell you all different kinds of stories of random stuff that people have asked for um i mean stories upon stories upon stories what's like
0: a super weird one
1: I've put stripper poles into planes. Oh, my God. Uh, You would have to account for... Okay. Yeah, it's happened. So if you're accounting for
0: the stripper pole, and then do you also have to account for the possible stripper in the thing? Yes, you do. So how would you know the size of the stripper and what kind of moves she's putting down? Or he.
1: Or he. It's a Fair question. Fair question. And actually, the question in itself is actually a really good question. So there's one thing we take into account with a lot of our furniture is called abuse loads. Uh Uh-huh. I told you I was going to do it. You're good. Um, It's abuse loads. And basically what abuse loads are is the wear and tear of your customer. Basically not giving a rat's ass about what they're grabbing or doing. Yeah. um, And swinging around and stuff inside the plane. So... I have had to design, we take into account a fifth percentile male, which is, like, really, really tall and probably weighs, like, 300 pounds or something. Yeah. And you take into account the 95th percentile female, which is someone even shorter than I am, which I'm 5'2", I'm borderline midget, (laughs) Um, (laughs) and weighs, like, barely 100 pounds, you know? Yeah. So um, we have to take those into account as we are designing. Those are the abuse loads. So you kind of account for worst-case scenario either way. So did you have to account for a... 300-pound uh, man swinging around uh, a stripper pole? Yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: I mean, the math on that's got to be like,
1: like what? Is <laughs> <laughs> It is a little interesting, especially when the customer comes to you, and they've asked for really weird things. I mean, I've been asked to hide stuff in planes, which is also really fun. Um, like, what do you mean, hide stuff? I mean
0: hide stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that not the question, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: so... Um, but About the stripper poles, though. We'll finish that one, and then I'll yeah. tell you about stuff that I've had to hide in planes. Please. Um, so, with the stripper poles, basically what we did is we put the mounts into the plane, mm-hmm. and then we have... We do curtain rods in certain situations and in, in closets and whatnot for, you know, a pilot to hang his suit or the passenger to hang his suit jacket and things mm-hmm. like that on. Uh, basically, the stripper pole is just a really long version of that, which means it is removable. Oh. And so we gave them the very long coat rod <laughs> as loose equipment so we didn't have to FAA certify it. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, we find some interesting ways to get around some rules sometimes. Yeah, um, Yeah, stuff I've hidden in planes, I had a customer specifically ask me to hide a safe in a plane. Cool. Yep, so I had to take... It wasn't a very large safe, so, you know, it wasn't... The thing itself was probably about 8 inches tall by 10 inches long by... Yeah. Probably about another 10 inches deep. So it wasn't very large. But um, we were kind of joking around it, about it in the office. And we we're like, oh, man, I wonder if he wants to hide his Fabergé eggs in here. <laughs> oh, my God. And this was the perfect size for a Fabergé egg, mind yeah. you, okay? This thing was, like, right size for something like that. And then we come to find out this, this was actually for a Russian customer. Oh. <laughs> oh, but then it got better. Uh, I actually did get to meet the customer representative for that uh-huh. aircraft and he showed up with a broken arm. Uh. <laughs> and so we started joking that whoever the customer was was not happy with his wrath oh. and took it out on him. Um <laughs> So, yeah, it was a fun joke around the office, but, you know, sometimes you do get weird requests like that. Customers literally just want stuff hidden in the plane. Yeah, um, but then
0: you'd have to account for the extra weight of the safe and oh, the yeah. stuff around it and yep. stuff like that.
1: Huh. Safes are a very common requests in planes. Oftentimes they're used for uh, people wanting to put passports or important documents, stuff like that in there. Yeah. It's, they're perfect size for things like that. Uh, we also have on some of our storage cabinets there is actually a lockout for liquor cabinets mm-hmm. or wine coolers because sometimes where these customers are flying into is places that are completely dry countries oh. where you're not allowed to have alcohol at all in that airspace. So what they do is when they're flying through that airspace, if they are going to land in those places, they'll actually lock out those cabinets, um, and the pilot will hold the key to it, and they're not allowed to open it until they leave that destination. Oh, okay. Cool. So those are things we take into account as well.
0: Cool, cool. That's... I didn't think you were going to come in here and talk about stripper poles, but you know what? I'm glad I'm here for it. I am, I am here for it. Um, so like, what kind of school did you have to go to to learn all this? Because this sounds complicated as crap. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it was just like because like you said you were like already math like you, know, you already leaned a lot towards math. Is that like you had to just take hella math classes? You just like special engineering
1: classes? Like I dropped out of college, so I. <laughs> you didn't miss much. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my my degree itself is aerospace engineering. there's many different kinds of engineering. Uh, most of the people I work with are mechanical engineers or electrical engineers, computer science engineering. Uh, I specifically chose aerospace engineering because I knew I wanted to do something in the aviation field. Yeah. Everyone told me, why don't you do mechanical? It's more versatile. And then when you graduate college, you know, you can go work in places like the car industry or, you know, buildings and things like that. And I'm like, well, first off, I don't do architecture. All right. That's yeah. No different major dad not doing it. Um, But I knew specifically I wanted to be in aviation. So for me, it wasn't a question. I'm doing aerospace. Everything I learned in college does not apply to what I do. <laughs> they do not prepare you for this at all. Yeah, that's a theme I've actually
0: picked up with a lot of guests. They're like, Yeah, I went to college and I don't really use like, yeah, weird, huh?
1: <laughs> I mean, there are parts of what I learned in college that would directly apply to planes and in even inside the company that I work for. Uh just not Your not particular interiors. Field? Yeah, yeah. Not interiors. <laughs> I learned all about fluid mechanics. I learned all about airfoils. I learned all about structural loading of an aircraft. I learned about frame, like the framework of an aircraft. I learned about stress analysis. Uh, What else did we learn about? Um, I learned about space mechanics. (laughs) I just, okay, that class was actually really interesting. Space mechanics was, we had to take, because it was more space oriented than aero oriented and aero being in atmosphere, astro being out of atmosphere, um, space mechanics is all about orbit transfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they use space mechanics to determine satellite orbits around Earth or, you know, when we send stuff to the moon, when we send stuff to Mars. Uh, what's really cool is uh, learning in that class, they actually teach you about using gravitational pool of other planets to launch you to other orbits of other planets. So when they talk about in the news having a certain window of launch period to fly to Mars, what they're talking about is In this time frame, we can launch something to use the gravitational pull of other celestial bodies right, to get to that. Otherwise, it's going to cost too much money, too much fuel, and take too long in order to get there. So when they talk about that time frame, what they're talking about is the space mechanics of it, the orbit transfers of it. So it was actually a really interesting class. I didn't do very well in it.
0: Well, I've always been obsessed with space stuff, but I immediately, when I was a kid, I found out the requirements to be a astronaut, and I don't even physically fit it, much less mentally. So they were like, "Oh, you're too tall!" Like, "Oh, well, I guess I'll never go to space. Give that dream up quick." You know, I like to set a low bar so I can easily step over it. You know what I mean? It's fair.
1: That's fair. (laughs) Yeah, when I found out most astronauts used to be in the military before they became astronauts, I was like, well, that ship sailed. Nope, not happening there. Yeah, uh
0: So when you're designing all these stripper poles and safes and all this super awesome stuff like that, do you have to use, like, special equipment or, like, like software? Is this, like, all computer-based? Or are you, like, out there, I don't know, whittling? What do you do? <laughs>
1: Both. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a little bit of combo of, of both, actually. Um, so I use CAD, computer-aided design. Uh, I use a specific software called Katia V5, which is actually just version 5. Um, and basically, it's all 3D modeling. So predominantly what I do is work inside of the CAD software all day. Uh, I used to think growing up that I was someone who needed to be down on the floor and crawling around and needed to be touching all the actual plane parts and seeing the planes come together. No, mm -mm, I'm good. (laughs) Leave me at my desk for 10 hours. Give me some Katia. Put some headphones in and I am happy as can be. (laughs) So um, It's pretty much what I do all day long. Uh, Just about everything in the aircraft is modeled in Katia. When I say that... What I mean is, we actually have models of just about everything in the aircraft, including people. So we will run simulations with people models. Did you have to run simulations with people models on that stripper pole? I did not. We had another group (laughs) (laughs) do that. Seems like a special skill. I just had to mount them to the floor. So uh yeah so that's mostly what I do now there are times though where as we're coming up with designs for the aircraft we will actually create mock-ups so we'll go down to the shops and all of that and be like hey these are the materials we want to use this is what our intended look is can you build us a small section of it so we can see what it looks like yeah and test it out so uh that actually happened to me and it was kind of funny I thought it was funny anyway um we were working on a special kind of floor that we've never installed in a plane before, which you think, oh, it's the floor, you walk on it, not that big deal. Yeah, it's actually kind of a little bit of a big yeah, deal. Yeah, big deal. Yeah, it's a very big deal. There's a lot of stuff under the floor of airplanes that you will need to access quite often uh, for servicing purposes, not mm-hmm. in-flight, servicing purposes. Um, and so you have to make whatever floor you put on the plane easily removable so we can get to those floor panels and access the equipment underneath the floor. So- we had a customer ask for a special kind of floor material, which then means we had to change up the way it's installed in the plane. And I remember the first time this request came up, all of my bosses, I had like three bosses, right? They just different levels of management. They all came up behind me and they're like, Hey, Stevie <laughs> And I turned around and I saw all three of them and I was like, Oh fuck, <sighs> like I seriously thought I was in trouble and I looked at them like yes I'm like what shoes are you wearing today and I'm like oh that's an odd question yeah that is a weird question why and they're like do you have heels on today because apparently I'm the only one in my office who ever wears heels (laughs) and it was kind of interesting though it was a fair question because as we're trying to design this floor we want to make sure that A woman who walks across the floor in stiletto heels is not going to leave little indents with her heels. Oh, yeah. And I'm the only one in the office who ever wears stilettos. So they came to me and asked me, and I was like, all right, I'll go home at lunch and get some shoes. And so I had to walk across this little mock up of the floor and make sure we don't leave little heel prints in it.
0: Did it pass
1: uh, the Stevie test? It did pass the Stevie test. (laughs) It totally did. That's awesome. (laughs) And I brought them options too. I was like, would you like chunky heels? Would you like skinny heels? You need tall heels. You need short heels. (laughs) When they're like, all right, we didn't mean this seriously and i'm like no but i do let's <laughs> <laughs> so make sure it works for everybody okay do we need wedges i can get wedges too
0: Jeez. so my dad does this thing so my dad's been in air conditioning his entire life his mm-hmm. entire life and we'll say we'll be on vacation
1: mm-hmm.
0: having a good time and he'll cut me off okay. and he'll be like oh. I'll be like what like ah oh, the uh that, that condenser on that ac is about to blow I'm like okay dude we're at disney so i don't really care <laughs> do you do that because see i I, when i hear you talk it's kind of similar when i hear my dad talk is y'all like like things are supposed to be a certain way and that's just the way they're supposed to be very analytical people um and so he'll completely ruin the trip not ruin he'll just stop us all so we can look at this thing and he'll be like "Mm," you know if they called me i'd come over here fix it like okay
1: cool (laughs) cool (laughs) they didn't call you so like when you
0: get on like a kind of regular plane are you just like that is wrong Yes. What kind of things? What kind of things have you seen? Did you see anything that was like, would scare other
1: people if they knew? Well, it wouldn't scare them if they knew. I see stuff all the time that doesn't scare me because mm. I know what it is, but it scares other people. I've flown with a lot of. Uh, first-time flyers or nervous flyers Mm. um i flew with one kid and we literally spent the whole two-hour flight just talking about plane stuff and the kid was like going crazy and his dad's like this is his first flight ever i'm like well i hope it's a good one (laughs) you know i hope i didn't ruin it for him (laughs) um i usually like to sit by the window i'm a window seat person and um I used to work on a lot of the passenger service units, which basically what that is on commercial planes is the overhead bin area and all the equipment that's underneath it. You know, your fasten seat belt, the, hey, I need special service or the um, don't smoke in a plane Mm -hmm. signs and things like that. Um, I work on those for my private jets. It's what Mm -hmm. I used to do. I did it for like five years. Yeah um so when i get on planes i'll look at them i'll look at the gapping between the sidewalls and those and i've gotten on planes and be like oh i see the ducting right there that's not okay (laughs) oh there's some insulation showing right there she get on it oh that one's not trimmed out right oh somebody needs to get in here and take a look at this (laughs) see i knew it was just
0: him i knew it was just him i could just tell by the way you were talking about all this stuff be like yeah I know this has to happen. Oh, yeah. I got
1: on one plane, and I remember it was a budget airline. I won't say what the airline was, but I remember I got on the airline. I sat down in the seat, and I looked at the back of the seat in front of me, and I was like, this is like a plastic chair, like those teal and orange <laughs> plastic chairs from a cafeteria. Yeah. It's exactly what it looks like. And I looked down. There was like one screw holding in. And I was like, this does not meet seat safety regulations. <laughs> We're going to die. I was like, for the love of God, I hope we don't crash. <laughs> <laughs> When the pilot landed, I'm pretty sure the landing gear went through the floor up my ass. (laughs) It was very brutal. I was like, I'm never flying them again. (laughs) One more thing
0: about planes, just because I'm I'm loving all this stuff. It's just this, there's an old comedy bit. um, I don't know. Maybe you'll know the answer. uh, Where they always say, like, how come they only put enough fuel in the plane to get to the destination? Like, is that true? Yes. Why? Why? Okay, so it's Wouldn't not you want to a... just fill it just in case? What if something happens? I need a little just-in-case fuel because we're 40,000 feet in the air. <laughs> okay, there
1: is a little just-in-case fuel. So what they do actually is um, plates run on a system of weights and balances. Mm-hmm. And basically what that means is you take the weight of your passengers and the weight of your luggage and you try to evenly distribute it over the plane because your plane needs to have a certain center of gravity location aka it needs to be just slightly forward of the main landing gear on most commercial planes otherwise it'll tip basically means it'll sit on its butt. So what they do is they try to evenly distribute that. And then you take into account the fuel you put on board. The more fuel you have on board, the faster you need to be going to take off, which requires more fuel to do. So it's not cost efficient to just fill her up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then also when you come into land, a plane cannot land at the same weight that it takes off. Huh. So, it needs to burn fuel. So, sometimes you'll hear in the news, like, oh, this plane is, out oh, dumping fuel. All right, there is no button in the cockpit that says dump fuel, and then just, like, the fuel tanks open, just, like, <laughs> out yeah. the bottom. Okay, no, that's not what it means. <laughs> For anyone who's curious, dumping fuel does not mean just open the hatch and release it, okay? Dumping fuel is basically they're burning the fuel. They're literally up in the sky just doing like circles, circles <laughs> figure eights, some kind of pattern near the airport. To burn off the fuel till they can get to a weight that is acceptable for them to safely land the plane. So, you need a certain distance at a certain weight to land the plane, you need a certain stopping distance. So, a plane that Takes off at max capacity needs I'm gonna rough estimate here. This is not exact math. Needs like 60% of that runway in order to stop at its landing capacity. It would need like double its takeoff capacity to land at that same max weight capacity. It just it's not gonna happen. All right, it's gonna go off the end of the runway. Bad things happen. <laughs> Look up a bunch of aircraft accidents. It's not pretty. Okay, yeah. especially where some of these airports are located. Like it's not hopeful at the end of the day <laughs> for anybody near the airport. Um. So yeah, it's a weight and balance system you have to burn so much fuel in order to land safely at your destination and then a lot of times the airports you're flying into have smaller runways uh one runway that we often take into account for our planes because again we're working on private jets this is an airport a lot of people who private planes fly into is the aspen airport Mm -hmm. aspen colorado it is one runway and it is one of the most difficult approaches for any pilot. Uh-huh. And as someone who has been on a commercial plane flying into this airport, it takes balls <laughs> to fly into this. I do not want to be in the cockpit, and I will forever love the pilots flying my plane that day. <laughs> um, you literally approach at like a 90-degree angle to the runway, and then you turn on descent into the airport, and you literally are like nose in over the oh mountains my God. and you flare basically you bring it nose up just in time to touch the runway. It's like the only way you can do approach to this. It's one of the most difficult runways to get into. And it's very short because it's literally in a valley. Yeah. And they can't make it any longer. There's a mountain at the front. There's a mountain at the back. <laughs> and there's mountains on either side. Oh, my God. So um, you have to basically be running on fumes to land at this airport kind of weight capacity. Huh. That... It is fascinating. Yes. That is absolutely fascinating. I was sitting there like,
0: what? I've always. So yeah, it, no. it
1: is just enough to be on board. But at the same time, there is a little extra just in case things do happen. Sometimes, you know, bad weather approaches and you just got to fly around for 20 minutes and wait for the storm to pass. Yeah. There is fuel accumulated in board. They account for situations like that where you're not going to run out of gas as he's doing things like that. You're okay still. There is a certain amount extra on board just in case. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. That's good to hear. When you come in, you're not like, all right, guys, better land it or we're fucked. Yeah, yeah. We got 20 (laughs) minutes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> if that light goes off in the cockpit, he's going to declare a state of emergency. In which case, the tower is like, "All right, clear airspace. We're bringing this guy in." <laughs> or he finds an airport nearby. Sometimes it's a highway. You yeah. see that on the news too. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. not with commercial planes.
0: Thank God. <laughs> no. Sometimes you get the little ones. But yes. <laughs> oh wow, that is, that's that's oh, that's crazy. Well, you're talking about weight distribution. So, like, okay, all right, all this, right. I don't have this written down. Okay, but go for it. Is it like a like, what if a couple of great big fat guys get on? Do they have to move them? Yes. Aww. <laughs> but, like, but they don't know when they're setting the plane up, right? So, like, no. I've only been on a plane once, but uh, me, and my, me and Jenna had our tickets. Okay. And they put us right next to them. We were good. Yeah. But, like, what if, like... You know, we bought those tickets. They're like, oh, you're in B, whatever. And we get there and I'm a great big fat guy, you know, and I don't get to sit with my wife now because of
1: plane safety. So what they usually do is they'll ask you if it's okay if you move Uh or they'll ask if it's okay if you change seats with someone else. Um, usually if you're on board with someone, they'll try and keep you guys together, especially if you purchase your tickets together. It's very obvious that, you know, you're a group, you're a family, whatever. I've been asked by people who didn't get to buy their tickets together. Hey, do you mind switching seats with my wife? She's back at the back of the plane. We'd like to sit together. It's a five hour flight. I'm going to sleep. Yeah, dude, I don't care. Here, have your wife. It's fine. (laughs) Whatever. Um, that's happened a couple of times. People are usually pretty nice about it, except sometimes you get the Karens. Yeah. I've seen some Karens. Dude, I almost punched a six year old kid in the face on a plane before. (laughs) It was a very long plane flight. And then he had the audacity, this little child had the audacity to sneeze on me without covering oh, his mouth. Oh, I ran off that plane so fast. Oh my God, it was a <laughs> nightmare. It's probably one of the worst flights I've ever had. Oh, that's
0: crazy. Yeah, that's just something I was, when you were talking about. I was like, oh man, you yeah. know, I don't know. I was, I'm a bigger guy, but I would always feel, you know, I've, I've been on a, like uh roller coasters and they're like oh sorry you know you can't get on here and i'm like oh it's because i had that cheeseburger the other day y'all gonna suck it uh, yeah, <laughs> if they
1: had you know the my 600 pound life reunion or something and all of them were on a plane uh it'd be, difficult. Mm, it'd be a little different yeah yeah mm-hmm. huh. we uh, have just, some questions there
0: just things i think about anyway you're not only a uh uh super like crazily smart engineer, uh, I
1: would not call me crazily smart. Well, you've I'm been talking lucky. about crap I have never even heard of. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's stuff you could talk about that I have no idea. Like oh, you want to talk about Gundams? Because I got <laughs> I got Gundams. now.
0: <laughs> Jenna was yelling at me yesterday about that. She was like, she was like, honey, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know something else that I don't know? Okay, and it's uh, sorority life. Oh yeah. Now you're like in it, right? So yes. okay, what is it? What is a sorority and how do you join? Because
1: what I think is, is it a cult? Is what I want to (laughs) know. Okay, fair question. Uh, We get weird questions all the time. People, I always love when people are like, that's like paying for your friends. (laughs) No, it's called like paying your taxes to be a part of a group, all right? It's not a cult, although sometimes people do think it is or you could you could easily associate it with things like what a cult does. But, mm. you know, we don't have any wild and crazy beliefs or any of, of that nature. Um, Greek life is more about philanthropy. Uh, it's more about people who share common ideals or common goals, um, support system. Uh, fraternities have been around a lot longer than people realize. And mm-hmm. I say that because you could always think back to, like, the times that Jesus was alive, all right? And you had things like Knights Templar and Freemasons for centuries, if not millennia, right? Those are fraternities, guys. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but that's
0: what it is. Well, now, when you say Knights Templar, I think cult. So you're not changing my mind, Stevie. Right, In that essence, <laughs> Right.
1: Um... To some extent, some of those are (laughs) cultish.
0: Yeah. Well, yours in particular, what is – you don't have to say the name if you don't feel comfortable or whatever, but what is the goal? What is the point of joining a a sorority? Does it get benefits or –
1: Yes. You get an extra support system, which for me – I went to college 2,000 miles from home. I went to college way out in Arizona. Um, So needless to say, moving from Ohio to Arizona was – a very large move. Yeah. Um, but it, I was very up, much up for the challenge. It was actually what I wanted. It was my number one choice school. And my parents are like, what if anything happens to you? I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I'll be good. <laughs> Oddly enough, nothing happened to me while I was out there. Um, <laughs> it happened when I moved here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only 12 hours down the road, and I was safer way out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so joining the sorority... How sororities kind of started was a lot of, right, guys have fraternities, they have their cult organizations, they have their secret societies, things that have been around for centuries, millennia, whatever. Well, girls started going to college, you know, way back um, late 1800s, and there are so few women – in universities and there was such a, a prejudice against women right women should be seen and not heard mm-hmm. your job is to be barefoot pregnant and in the kitchen and you run my house and that's it you yeah. should be waiting by the front door with a martini and my house shoes kind of thing yeah. yeah that mentality very much existed when women started going to college so sororities started as a way for women to band together and create their support systems within universities to help them deal with all of that prejudice uh so Sororities very much are still like that, Mm -hmm. and my sorority was very much like that. (laughs) Not in the sense that the school I went to had that prejudice, but the school I went to was very male-dominated. My school was 15% female population. (laughs) Oh, wow. So... um, As a woman, going to a very predominant engineering technical school, um, I used to get asked working for admissions doing student tours, so what's the dating life like? And I used to tell them, well, the odds are good, but the goods are really odd. (laughs) And yes, they were. (laughs) On both sides. So... (laughs) Um, sorority for me was very much creating that support system, especially with my family being so far away. I needed to have that kind of extra support. Um, and so my sisters were like that. And we still joke to this day about how I got roped into the sorority. It was my very first semester and we were walking down to the student union. They were doing a recruitment event and, um, they had an ice cream social And one of them was standing outside the the classroom where it was going on, and there was me and my roommates, and they're like, hey, girls, do you want some free ice cream?
0: (laughs) And you were like, yeah.
1: No, my answer was, hell yeah! (laughs) (laughs) And I was hooked ever since. (laughs) So when
0: they they uh, so then they like sit out. There's like a bunch of them, and they're like, "Oh, what? Like, how would you make a sorority stand out? What is your? What made yours different besides the ice cream? Of course, um, <laughs> different than the yeah. other ones. So they had better ice cream. You were just, if, if I was there and a woman, and had a, my own sorority, and I had a better flavor. Would you have there?
1: It's a good question. So my situation, I did not realize. I knew what Greek life was. All right, So I have an older brother, and he joined a fraternity when he was in college. He's four years older. So at the point in time, he was a member of his fraternity. He was still in college. Um, I did not know how many sororities were on my campus. I did not look into Greek life. I wasn't considering it. It was kind of just like a complete random happenstance. Um, There were only two sororities on my campus and luck would have it, I joined the right one for me. (laughs) So as I joined that sorority and got to know the other sorority, I would have hated my life in the other sorority. The girls were very nice. I loved them. I was friends with a lot of them. I just think that the overall atmosphere of that other sorority and the overall women who had joined it was not for me. Mm -hmm. So I definitely lucked out. I joined the right one for me. I'm still, (laughs) we're all still very close. I was talking to two of my sisters earlier today, actually. Um, And you always joke that, you know, you have those friends that it doesn't matter. Ten years could pass and you guys get in the same room and it was like you saw each other five minutes ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. That's good. (laughs) There was like 15 of us who got together last February for an unfortunate event. Um, One of our sisters did pass away. Um, It was pre-pandemic and she had an unforeseen health situation and it was it was really sad she was actually my big sister which is like your your mentor when you come in so there's bigs and littles and your big is like your really close sister who kind of mentors you and oversees you really is like a big sister yeah you know an older sister and then you get a little you know when they decide to join you pick your little and that kind of stuff so you get the pickup yes
0: that's kind of fun yeah
1: (laughs) I I have a little, uh, and then I have an adopted little because her and her big didn't get along very well in the end, and so um, she's she's kind of my adopted. How long do you stay a little? Your whole life.
0: You're just a little. You're just that person's little
1: forever, and somebody else's big. Uh huh. Yeah. So I still have. I'm still a big sister. Um, I have two littles. Right, my actual little and my adopted little. Um, my big passed away last February, so a bunch of us got together, um, for her funeral. And it was the saddest reason for us ever to get together. But at the same time, when we weren't thinking about it, when we weren't mourning her, it was like we were 18 years old again. <laughs> <laughs> and sitting around drinking schnapps and, yeah. you know, wondering about poor life choices we're going to make in college. And it <laughs> was hilarious. Um, so, yeah, that never changes yeah. ever Ever.
0: That's good. That's good. So, like, so when you joined, yes. they gave you the ice cream. Yeah, that was first and foremost.
1: And they had sprinkles with the ice Ooh, there cream. There you go. And so, would you just sold. sign
0: your name in blood? What What do you do?
1: <laughs> no, you don't sign your name in blood. <laughs> uh, maybe some organizations, not ours, anyway. Um, so there's a whole, I, I want to say onboarding process because I'm like in corporate mentality, yeah. right, and like bringing you into a corporation kind of thing. But there's a whole process Mm -hmm. of initiation. So you
0: get jumped in like a gang. (laughs) No. All right. I'm just trying to follow with what I know. You're fair. Fair
1: question. So once upon a time, probably that was the thing. There are things that TV shows and movies get right, and there are things that TV shows and movies get wrong. All right? right. So... Greek life has had a really bad rap about the whole hazing situation. And once upon a time, there was a very big thing. Being haze was part of your initiation. And my school and my sorority specifically were also very anti-hazing. Mm-hmm. And we actually used to joke that we treated our new members better than our own sisters. <laughs> I mean, That's I look at my sister and be like, fuck you, bitch, you stole my boyfriend. <laughs> and be like, oh, new member, it's okay, you screwed him. Oh my God. Yeah, no, so I... That's a very exaggerated situation, of course, but, um. So, and it's weeks-long process. So there is a whole process. There is, you know, you go to these recruitment events, and then the sorority itself has to decide if they want to extend you a bid. So they can say no. Yes. Ooh. Yes. They can refuse you entry into the organization. And of course, remind, I will remind you, I did not know that I was at a sorority recruitment event. I did not know that the free ice cream was... A bribe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I joke about it now because I feel like, you know, the free candy vans are like, don't take free candy from strangers. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah,
0: you knock on the van's door. Yeah. Y'all
1: got candy here? <laughs> do you have free puppies, too? <laughs> so, so, like, how many people
0: do they tell no?
1: So That's got to suck. It depends. So I didn't realize until I actually got into the executive board of the sorority later on, a couple semesters later on, about there's, like, this whole math process that goes involved in it, all right? You don't want to just rapidly grow the organization because it's one of those you grow so fast you fail, Mm -hmm. so we have we call it cap and basically it is a cap on the amount of people who can be in the organization based on the student population Mm -hmm. so based on the female student population there's only so many members we are allowed to have in our sorority Mm -hmm. so and then as the student population grows as we get a larger female population on campus then we are allowed to initiate more members into the organization when i was there we weren't even close to the cap on our organization i think it was like I don't know, 25 or 30 girls. My organization was like predominantly 18. On a good year, it was like 22. Okay? <laughs> we were like, all right, how do we get to cap, guys? Like, all right, who do we say no to? Like, how many people can we say yes to? And of course, that shot us in the foot a couple times. Um, there were some people who got initiated. I was like, I never would have a letter in. <laughs> but I wasn't there that semester, so I didn't get a say. Um, Yeah, so there's... A certain amount you're allowed to have. And then you, there's so many bids based on how many spaces you have available that you will give out to girls. Um The girls are allowed to say no to the bids. You know, if you offer – extend them an offer of membership, they are allowed to deny it and say no. Yeah. Um, I think there's even, like, a referral period. You can extend them a bid, and then if they don't want to join that semester, their bid is still good for, like, the following semester or something like that. I don't know. I think huh. there's, like, a 12-month period that it's still – valid for um and then there's a whole new member class you go through so you know you're a new member you're part of the organization you're just not a fully initiated member so there are secrets of the cult see see <laughs> i said that just for you uh-huh. that you uh-huh. <laughs> that you don't know until you're fully initiated so um yeah you go through the whole new member process and then you get initiated and then once you are an initiated member um you just sit on certain positions inside the sorority executive board and there's, you know, like the social new member class, there's um, recruitment chair, there's, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, you know, we go through like our bylaws and things like that just to kind of refresh everyone's memory of, Mm -hmm. hey, these are the bylaws of our organization. You know, once a week you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do this. We have to hold this many philanthropy events this semester. We have to hold this many social events this semester. And these are all things to kind of keep our organization status on campus, as well as to stay in good status with the national organization. Okay. Uh, The national organization provides your insurance... Don't piss them off.
0: <laughs> now, are you sure you're supposed to tell me all about this? Because I know the, the first rule of Fight Club is you're not supposed to be talking about Fight Club. So I haven't told you any of the deep, dark <laughs> secrets. Like, I didn't teach you
1: the secret handshake. I didn't teach you, you know, I didn't tell you what the sorority organization yeah. itself is. I know. Um, But I will tell you that if you ever wonder why there are so many anchors in my house, there is a reason oh, for it. Oh, okay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You can torture me and I'll never tell. So
0: like, besides them being like a a nice support system, does it, I don't want to say, I don't know how to put this. Does Does it it benefit you you in any other way? Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) So if you think about, and and this is always interesting, people always give Greek life a really bad rap, but if you think about it, all right. The majority of your ex-presidents, ex-vice presidents, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, uh, very influential entrepreneurs um majority not all majority of them are members of greek life Mm -hmm. so what it does is it creates a network so i can meet other sisters and instantly the second we find out we're from the same sorority organization whether we've met each other ever or not there's this instant connection with each other and it creates that networking for you So I can also go to my nationals and say, hey, I'm looking for some sisters who maybe are more into things like this. Do you have a list of these universities who are more in-depth with that? Or there's alumni organizations, all right? So once you're you're a member of Greek Life, even after you graduate, you are still forever a member of Greek Life. So there are alumni organizations all across country for my sorority that I'm involved in, all Mm -hmm. right? And they go out and do philanthropy events and whatnot. And that also creates a network. So there are girls who... Are old enough to be my mother and grandmother, right? They're still my sorority sisters because they initiated into the same organization that I did, just a different chapter at a different time. Mm-hmm. They can also help me network and move within my career, life, whatever. Huh. Um, so Greek life does benefit you in many ways. It's, it's that unknown network under the table. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that opens doors to you. And then people also understand... People who have been in Greek life know the extras that are involved in being a member of of a Greek organization on top of your schoolwork. And there's a different level of respect as well. There's a lot of things that you do as a member of Greek life on top of your schoolwork, attending all of these events. um, You run your organization Mm -hmm. on top of all of your schoolwork. And a lot of Greek members are also members of other organizations as well. Greek members are usually the most socially active members on campuses and i'm not talking about the parties and you know people who go to big schools or do like the homecoming and things like that i went to a really small school we didn't have crazy things like that but they're the people who are involved in other clubs they're the ones for like for our institution who were leading the research projects on campus all right mm-hmm. they weren't just in the research projects they were leading them They were creating new organizations to help benefit research projects and continue education for students yet to come. Mm -hmm. A lot of those things are done by Greek members because they are the more involved and outgoing members of your campus. Huh. Huh. So, yeah. uh, You know. I know we get a bad rep. (laughs) And a lot of it sometimes, like... It's fair. You're entitled to your own opinion. I don't care. I get hate all the time for being Greek, but um it helped me in so many ways that I probably will yeah. never even understand too.
0: Yeah. I can see how we do that, especially when you break it down like that. Cause you know, you you know people. That's how I do the show. You know, I, I know somebody and I'm like, hey, you and then you and you and you and you and you. And eventually, hopefully <laughs> I'll do that like whatever, it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever, and I won't have to worry about getting people on. Um, you know, so I, I understand that. It's just I don't know, I've always Everything I know about that, I I learned from, uh, what's that movie, old school? So it's really not... uh... That
1: was a good one. Uh, Animal House is also a really good one, by the way. It is not that crazy. At least where I was, was not that crazy. Yeah.
0: There's probably some crazy ones, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: It totally is. Um, But, yeah.
0: Well, I I super appreciate you telling me about your cult. I mean, uh, sorority, it sounds fantastic. Um, Oh, yeah. But besides, you know, having to take blood oaths and all that awesome (laughs) stuff, you also uh, have... More recently, at least to my knowledge, you've been started doing more art. Yes. Um, and so you work with my wife. That's how I know you. Yes. Um, you know, and uh, how did, how did all awesome that go? You're a, you're an engineer. <laughs> I know. You know, you 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 make sure stuff flies in the air. Why are you like, you know what, today I'm gonna paint. Today I'm gonna paint a pretty picture. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm gonna paint a pretty picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I honestly don't know how the correlation ever happened. Yeah. That was weird. Um <laughs> I did laugh a little bit. I had a girl in a class the other day um, and she she asked me, she's like, how do I get better? How do I get good like you? And I looked at her and I was like, just keep practicing. And I thought about it and I was like, too, when I was her age, I was making watercolor paintings at the kitchen table driving my mother crazy. <laughs> you know, she literally had to cover the entire table with newspaper, and I would just have these like white pieces of paper with three dots of watercolor just spread all over the house, drying. <laughs> right? And she hated it, but at the same time, she was like, hey, whatever, she's doing something, she's out of my hair. Fine, there you whatever. go. There you go. So, I don't know, I've just always done art stuff. i mm-hmm. uh, always been crafty. I remember... Uh, <laughs> i remember in third grade i was so proud of this To this day i'm very proud of this because i was a little kid and you made your valentine's day boxes right yeah it was back when everyone gave out valentine's everyone in class you having to
0: give it to that stinky kid in the corner yeah you get a stinky kid
1: in the corner (laughs) everybody got valentine's and you got to make your own box and and there was like to take the shoebox, cut a hole in it whatever and put some red construction paper on no 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 i made a three-tier wedding cake valentine's what day age is box this? i was in third grade <laughs> he's
0: trying to intimidate the other because like, like now it would seem like i'm not gonna put one in stevie's box because now i think we're married <laughs>
1: <laughs> well like i didn't tell him it was a wedding cake like it literally just looked like a three-tiered ginormous cake <laughs> and i remember it like the whole literally went from the top box all the way down into the bottom box That's right cool and they, they were stacked, too. They had, like, little columns in between each tier. Like, this thing was fancy, I guess. All right, maybe the engineering is coming out a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, I didn't even think of that part. Oh, God. Um. But, yeah, so doing crafts and things like that, even back then, and, and then just... I, I started going to, you know, the place where I work with your wife. I started going there. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Oh, she calls it a paint and sip studio. Oh, that's fair. Okay. A paint and sip studio. <laughs> um, A place where you drink wine and paint paintings. So I, when I, I started going as a frequent customer because I just wanted something to get me out of the house. I've always liked art things. Um. This is actually how I met Stevie. I was up there with Jenna. And it's uh, <laughs> like, oh, and this is Stevie. We're going to get her to work here. Like, what?
0: Okay. Uh, right.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I I just enjoyed it. And then they were short staffed at that particular Sip and Paint studio. And they asked me if I wanted a job. And I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that was four years ago. And yeah. it's still here. It's really been four years. <laughs> it, wow. it, almost four and a half years. Yeah. Wow. I know. <laughs> and Jenna and I were talking about that the other day, actually. That's I crazy. was like, oh, my God god so people ask how long has the studio been here i'm like well i've been working here four years so it's five years the studio's been here five
0: years (laughs) that that's awesome so like when you first started uh to get up there like how did you get past the like well i you know was there ever like i shouldn't be up here teaching the class i was just taking this class kind of feeling yes how do you push past that i like i see you guys do that and you know i i do this on the side but i don't think i could ever get in front of 50 people and teach them to do anything.
1: (laughs) So I learned in college that the best way of being a public speaker is just have confidence in what it is that you are saying and doing. Um, I used to give speeches in college to like a thousand people. Ugh. Uh, yeah that was terrifying I gotta tell you the first time I stood up in front of like a thousand prospective students and their families I was like I'm gonna die <laughs> don't throw up <laughs> um, but I got pretty good at it and so I kind of realized in doing all of that it's just have confidence in yourself and what it is that you're saying and if you believe it they're gonna believe it too because they don't know shit <laughs> so that made it a little easier yeah. but then at the same time it was getting that confidence in what it is that you're saying and doing is getting that confidence in what it is you're saying and doing Yeah. Um. so the first question times i taught i would actually on top of the pre-paints we do is the examples of the finished product um i'd actually practice it a couple times on my own not mm. as a pre-paint just to just practice it all right how would i teach this how would i break this down um and i did that for probably about the first two months of every class i taught
0: yeah just to get it yeah yeah just that would mindset. you like teach your
1: cats <laughs> <laughs> now they're unteachable look, look
0: here Zena. i need you to use bigger brush strokes <laughs>
1: No, no, all the way across. Big strokes. Big, <laughs> use it like a spoon. Like a, no, your other paw, the other one.
0: So do you still? Do you like get a lot out of like teaching people how to do it now?
1: I do. It is. It is pretty gratifying, especially when you get customers that are happy with the finished product. I had one kid. Um, it was her and some of her friends, and she was very excited. She goes, "Oh man, I really like it." <laughs> And I literally, I stopped class. I was like, who said that? And everyone's like, oh, crap. We're about to get yelled at. What did we do wrong? And I was like, no, who said they really liked it? And I was like, girl, that's awesome. That's what you should say. Take pride in it. (laughs) You know? um so anytime i get kids that come in who are really excited and love what they did it's like yes this job is worth something (laughs) and then on occasion we'll get in the drunk karens and it's like girl you make me want to commit murder yeah
0: i need you to just go (laughs) today
1: might be the day i have have someone in the face with a chair
0: (laughs) so now i you know you're up there all the time teaching people how to do these other type of paintings do you ever paint anything for yourself
1: not that often. Boo. I know. Oh, I say that I was actually painting today. <laughs> painting for yourself? I, today? Yeah, I did. I was literally painting right before I came here. Um, but it wasn't a painting. I was painting a mug. Oh, <laughs> hey, whatever. Art's art, you know. I know. I'm very excited. It's color changing paint, so I'm very excited to see oh. how this all turns out. Yeah, I'd like to see the <laughs> rainbow. Um. So yeah, I not as much. I, I draw more than anything for myself. Um, yeah. I'm a far better drawer than I am a painter. Yeah. So um and Jenna makes fun of my my drawing What? <laughs> she makes fun of it in a loving sense, okay? I don't mean that in a negative way. She, she really does. She does it out of love. She, I think she does it because she wants me to do more. Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> she's always pushing me and everyone in her life to do more, you know. Because oh, yeah. I, that, that helps. I, know, I at know. At least I think it does. I, I'd say this every episode, but I feel like like the show is like a point of me just telling people that you should do hobbies more. You need to be doing more things that aren't your job. Yes. Uh, you do, though. I get so much gratification about doing the stuff that I like to do that isn't working in my crappy retail job you know when I get to do even if it's like a small thing I'm like I'm like jazz on it you know cause like I did that and that was for me that wasn't for anyone right. else so that's why you need to be doing more stuff I try um, you know have you like do you have like a style that you like draw
1: in or paint in I do and it's totally math oriented of course <laughs>
0: So you just draw stripper poles all day long. Oh my God. And then
1: I work on the different stripper yeah. outfits too. Oh, I'm trying good. to come up with a new stripper glitter. So like there, you know, there's a strawberry lust desk. I'm trying to come up with like my own,
0: mm. you know, just drawing cabinets that are have yeah. the perfect lining. And, exactly. You know. <laughs> no, not like that at all, but you know, um,
1: so yeah, it, it kind of started as like a joke doodling. I didn't want to pay attention in class. So I got really mad. I got really mad in eighth grade. Hmm. Because I basically felt I was repeating pre calculus, and my math oriented self was like, This is the waste of my time. Uh, Yeah. So I didn't pay attention to math for an entire year. (laughs) Go figure the engineer. Um, So what I did instead was I would doodle. and We had a lot of graph paper at the time in the class, so I would doodle on the graph paper. Anyone who grew up in the 90s remembers this funky little S-shape thing. Yeah, it's doozy. Yeah. (laughs) So I started drawing those, and then one day I was like, I'm tired of drawing these. I'm going to start doing my own damn thing. And so I did, and I still do. (laughs) And now I go buy a pad of engineering paper, not for engineering purposes. I just like the grids. Yeah. Yeah, I use graph paper to draw geometric patterns um different kinds of shapes and whatnot and then I color them in predominantly I like to use sharpies for coloring
0: in is that like a soothing thing just to kind of
1: it is actually so a lot of times people you know sit on the couch and watch TV and just de-stress that's my de-stress is yeah. color Draw a um, bunch
0: of squares and triangles and yeah geometry and stuff yeah it
1: started out it, was, it literally was it was squares and triangles and just random stop sign geomet- geometrical shapes right yeah and then I was like oh man I wonder if I start making overlapping shapes so now I've got like complex pattern weaves and like <laughs> boxes inside boxes boxception. you know <laughs> crazy stuff So that's what I do now. Um, And then over last year's lockdown, I was like, you know what? Let's try and paint these. I kind of want to paint one and hang it up in my house because I don't have anything on the walls in my That's
0: one of my questions, actually, is why don't you hang anything? It's literally written around here. I can show you. (laughs) Why don't you hang any of your pictures?
1: It's mostly because I'm lazy. (laughs) It's not that I don't like pretty much everything that I buy to hang up on my wall. I have an idea of where I want it to go Uh on my walls. And then I just never hang it up (laughs) because I'm lazy. Oh, God. Yeah. I think the last thing that got hung up on my walls, I made my dad do it when he was here visiting. I was like, all right, here, this, go do stuff. Did he do it right or did you have to fix it? He had to fix it. it, (laughs) I made him fix it. It's fine. He screws a lot of stuff up in my house.
0: I just love that you, uh, as an engineer, you just draw
1: a bunch of like squares and like oh, geom- yeah. geometry to- stuff. Like, and what's funny is I'll show it to my other engineering friends, right? My other coworkers, and they're like, "Oh my god, this is so crazy! How in the world did you come up with?" this? I'm like, "Dude, really? Like, yeah. you could do this." You're That's an engineer. what we look at. we well, see. Well, you
0: you draw squares, and I draw like weird monsters with teeth. What does that mean about me?
1: <laughs> Nothing.
0: Nothing. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's just weird. I'm thinking about like you know like like my dad does this. Same thing. I don't know why okay. I keep bringing up my dad, but like he, uh, <laughs> when he's bored in the margins of his paper or when he's on the phone with somebody, he draws that same square. Okay. You know, like it's just a square and then a square, and you make it like three D. Okay. Right. Yeah. But he does that. But he also draws. It's so weird. He's so weird. <laughs> he draws like duck work outlines. Okay. And that's like all of his all of his thing have like weird. Okay. They look just like. Now that I'm older, I'm like he's just drawing duck work. What does that mean? So like, what if. Okay. Like, what we draw is, like, an extension of, like, our, I guess, mental state. Because, like, he's crazy air-conditioned man, and he draws his tuck work, and you're drawing, like all this geometry stuff like what's it say about me
1: that i'm drawing something that's trying to eat something out <laughs> i'm really concerned for you now josh should i get
0: help is that what we're yes, saying
1: <laughs> i really do think you should talk to someone about this now if that's the situation i have some severe concerns over there <laughs> you should you should
0: <laughs> oh god i'm not trying to make about me i just you know my brain <laughs> they just it just goes and goes and goes and goes you know so but, but. it's
1: uh, it's pretty cool though that you can kind of for anyone who draws or paints or, or does any kind of art the the things that people can come up with right you literally take this boring everyday kind of medium like a pencil or basic paint colors mm. and create these complex pictures out of nothing anyone who can do that it just astonishes me that the mind is capable of doing that yeah it's just so cool i think yeah. art is so cool <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'm absolutely fascinated by yeah. this and that's why i love seeing other people's artwork like your wife's artwork it is something that never in a million years I would ever do, but at the same time, the fact that she comes up with this and then her execution of it, I'm just like, damn, girl. <laughs> <laughs> <Holy> crap. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's crazy and aggravating at best. Uh, uh, I, I,
1: I don't know how you're married to that. That is that would give me like such an inferiority. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: well, see, I already think I'm the greatest, so it's hard. Oh, there okay. you know. go. <laughs> okay, I'm Perfect. just like I'm so no. It's actually I'll look over like we'll be working like we went and did uh. A different type of paint and zip studio okay um you did it for your birthday i did it was fun. Uh, i look over and uh <laughs> and jenna has made uh, jenna was doing like she did like cherry blossoms in this beautiful bridge and the whole time we're telling these people that you know we don't know what we're doing it was, ki- it was killing she was cracking <laughs> up doing we don't know what we're doing and she's like shading it and doing all this stuff and then mine I had, like, a little box, like a little treasure chest, and I use Legos as teeth and googly eyes. And I look over, and I'm like, okay, we're not doing the same.
1: There's are different. I love googly eyes, though. <laughs> the picture she said, I was like, all right, I'm kind of digging the googly eyes. Like, <laughs> it would follow me everywhere around the room, but at the same time, I'm kind of digging the creepy You know, I gave ass. it to my mom, but uh, I was like, here, Mom, I made you. She's like, Dick
0: i was like i want to see it in your house because yeah, really? my mom's house is so perfect everything goes where it goes and right like, i haven't seen it she's like oh it's in, it's in the back I'm like oh you mean you should put it in your uh curio cabinet because right? it, it's really nice right she hadn't done it yet i'm oh calling you out <laughs> uh put out my <laughs> anyway anyway uh we've actually been doing this for uh an hour and five which is crazy time flies when you're talking oh, about dang. stripper poles and an airplane, i know, you know? right uh, hey. so a couple things we'll do before i let you go okay um I'm starting a new thing. You're actually the third person I've asked this question. This is not your final question because I didn't want to tell you about this because I didn't want to mess up the whole vibe. That's fair. Go for it. um, (laughs) What is your favorite song right now? Right now. Now, don't be pretentious. Don't think, oh, I want this people to think I'm cool. It could be anything. It could be the ABCs. It could be whatever. whatever. Oh, totally. I love the ABCs. (laughs) What's going to be your
1: favorite song today? What is it? Uh, it's probably moral of the story by uh-huh. ash and i think it's no i don't know it's one of the one direction guys anyway <laughs> why that song just i just i don't know it's kind of one of those like learning from your past stories of you know the relationship didn't work out but it's okay i i learned from this that sometimes even though i think it's forever it's really not <laughs> kind of situations for me it's not a matter of a failed relationship it's Shit goes wrong. Yeah. And here's what I've learned from it and I'm better because of it. <laughs> and I think for me that's kinda why I like it. Plus it's got like a really mellow beat to yeah. it. You know, it's like Yeah, you seem pretty mellow. <laughs> <It's, laughs> it seemed pretty mellow. Is is kind of on the like the more depressing side. And for me, I love slow songs, I love ballads, I love you know, everyone's like, Rock and roll. I'm like, yeah, nope, not me. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. I'm really sappy song that makes me cry
0: because <laughs> what I'm gonna do actually is uh it's this weird plan I okay. have. I'm gonna it's all the people out there who haven't sent me your song, I haven't even sent the email. Uh, yeah, but maybe by the time you hear this, I have. Um, I'm going to ask everyone to send me a song and then put it in a playlist okay. because music to me is like so important. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of want to know, like, like I want I, I did this show so I can talk to the people that I know and, and just find out what makes them interesting, but also like... Music is like so big to me that I want to find out like what that interesting person's favorite song is when I send them that email because I don't want the pretentious. I don't be like, well, my favorite song is this and this because like no, I want to. <laughs> I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. Just give it to me. I'm gonna throw it in the playlist and then I'll be able to play that playlist and be like, yeah, I do some weird ass people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can I change
1: mine to you know, danger zone? No, man, you get
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> even though David <Danger laughs> like,
1: wouldn't fit the aesthetic of the whole yeah <laughs> so i always meet people are like i've never seen the movie top gun i'm like how are you in aviation we can't be friends please do you go have to away. deal with a lot of top gun jokes and people call you Goose? i do okay so actually during my college orientation i promise this will be the last story and then we can wrap it up um so during my college orientation um they actually all you know all the freshmen their parents everything get into the room and <laughs> uh joking being at an aviation school my technical school was literally all aviation based and they start playing clips from top gun and they'll ask the students who thinks they know all the lines to this scene and they'll bring the students down and they have to say the lines to the scene and see how close they get (laughs) and i kid you not like they play a scene and like i remember the first scene that comes up is you know after the very first fight scene of the very opening sequence and he's getting his ass chewed out by the I don't know, admiral on board or whatever. And yeah. You literally see every student in the incoming class. I know!
0: I know! <laughs> Bunch of dorks.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was us. We also call it um, riddle necking. All right. My school, we nicknamed Riddle. Um, whenever a plane would fly over campus or anywhere in town, you could always tell who the Riddle kids were because they would stop and look. <laughs> so what kind of plane it was? Yeah. <laughs> and they'd watch it the whole way. Huh. Over top. And then the conversation would continue. That's so weird. That's so weird. <laughs> and it's least because I will still watch people do it. And I'm like, you went to Riddle. You know, mm-hmm, yeah, I can tell. I can definitely tell.
0: And uh, as promised, there is a final question. All you right. said you had a final story. I have a final question. Oh, bring it. Are you ready? Yes. Okay.
1: No, but okay.
0: What, in your opinion, okay. is the greatest serial of all time?
1: Oh, man. That's yeah. that's a rough one. I know. Oh, my God. Okay. So, when I was a kid, my absolute favorite cereal that I would lose it over was Fruity Pebbles. Fruity
0: Pebbles. Jenna's bet was actually Lucky Charms. She was like, I bet she loves Lucky Charms. I actually
1: do love Lucky Charms. <laughs> I do. And I love Lucky Charms so much, and I couldn't decide between Lucky Charms and Fruit Loops. <laughs> that the other day, I bought a box of Fruit Loops with marshmallows in <laughs> it. <laughs> I also really liked the honeycomb, even though it's, like, styrofoam and you can literally eat an entire box in one sitting because it's not filling. Um... So yeah, I, I'd still have to say Fruity Pebbles. I gotta tell you, man. If you yeah. give me a box of Fruity Pebbles, I will lose
0: it. <laughs> Do you mess with any of
1: the weird pebbles? Like the Cocoa Pebbles? No, or... if you're gonna give me the chocolate ones, I want the Chocolate Rice Krispies. Ooh. Don't give me the Chocolate Fruity Pebbles. I'll... I will punch you like, in the face. I was getting so
0: stoked on this question yesterday when I was telling Jenna because I just started <laughs> thinking about cereal. And I was like, oh, I love cereal. Because I wrote down, yeah. and I'm gonna stand by this. Okay. okay. My favorite are the Monster Cereals. Okay. Like, it's hard for me to, between uh, Count Chocolate and Blueberry. And, okay. um, because I think, the reason why I like it so much is because it's special. It's like, ooh, it's Halloween. But yeah. you know, but then I was like, oh, but you know, I like sugar smacks. And then I'm like, I like this and I like that. And she was like, Okay, just calm down. I'm like, But, you- <laughs> <laughs> but it's so good. <laughs> I love know? cereal. And her answer
1: <laughs> Please tell me that's not a boring one. What's
0: Jenna's answer to uh, <laughs> what's your favorite cereal?
1: I feel like it would completely be unexpected and she'd be like, Frosted flakes or mm-hmm. something, you know. She,
0: she said uh she said oatmeal. It's technically a hot cereal.
1: Oh, come on. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Oatmeal is, I, yeah, I get it. They yeah. market it as hot cereal. It's not a. Cereal. 10
0: minutes 10 minutes later i finally got her to answer and i don't even remember what it was because there were so many she's like well technically with this and with this she's like i was like okay because she doesn't really <laughs> like cereal <laughs> but then there's me on the other end who's like i love
1: cereal oh my god yeah cereal's amazing i literally like for the weekend we'll go get the cereal and milk out of the fridge and pantry and stuff and go back to bed with the milk and cereal on the nightstand <laughs> <laughs> this is what you can do when you are 30 years old and live by yourself yeah, exactly no one there fuck judge. off mom don't judge me <laughs> oh god
0: well again thank you so much for coming on the show thanks this for has having been me awesome this I had a was really fun good time. yeah see <laughs> i told you it was gonna be a good time i
1: was never worried you know if
0: you uh if you're out there under the sound of my voice and you want to come on to my show please do i need guests i need people that are just as cool as stevie to come on and talk to me because I, I don't really have that many friends so i just need i need these guests um <laughs> so please hit me up i have a website jenna built me the website it's www.bitterandjadedpodcast.com or you can email me directly at bitterandjadedpodcast at gmail.com goes right to my phone and we can set it up we'll get you on our little thing and we'll get you plotted out we do it over skype stevie's over here right now drinking a truly in front of me hanging out you know it's fun time <laughs> i promise um and again uh, i just want to thank you stevie there's another thing i've been doing okay is i uh I never know how to end the podcast, so I've been throwing it to other people. Because that's what you do. You just make other people
1: uncomfortable. So, Stevie, can you please end the show? (laughs) I can try. (laughs) Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to Bitter and Jaded. We hope you actually aren't bitter and jaded. (laughs) Keep a smile on your face, stay positive, stay classy, and we hope to hear from you soon. Let's see. That's
0: nice. That's nice. That's awesome. Well, again, thanks, Stevie, and I will talk to you later.